Hey, good morning, guys. When I preach at the uh, nursing home, not funeral home, we try to have a little fun. And uh, I know one time I preached at a Mennonite church, and I told the church, uh, two o'clock in the morning, I was up practicing my sermon, and I was preaching to my couch, and I was preaching to my chair and my wall, and I was getting ready for that Mennonite church because there's no response. So today... I want you to feel free to give me some response. Today in church, I want you to have a little bit of fun because we're all like a big family. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but we are. And just like a big family, I had three boys. Sometimes they would fight, and sometimes they would have arguments, and sometimes they would pout and be mad at each other. I had three older sisters. And there was a lot of drama in my household when I was a kid. But this morning, our text is out of Philippians. Um, And I thought I'd tell you a little bit about Philippians. Um, In Acts 16, it talks about how the Philippian church came about. Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he and Silas were getting ready to go, I think, to Troas. But Paul had this vision one night. This Macedonian guy calls and says, come over to us in Macedonia. Now, I did a boo-boo. I didn't have my maps ready like Pastor Joel always has. But Macedonia is basically what is called Greece right now. And in the southeastern part of Greece is this town called Philippi. And that's where Paul was called to go. So immediately the next day, they get up and went. And Paul, when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. Now, how many of you have ever been visited (laughs) the Elkhart County Jail, the new one? It's really nice, man. I'm not going to ask how many of you have been incarcerated there, but (laughs) as a visit, it's really nice. The guys get three squares a day. They have a clean place to uh, lay down. They have uh, facilities to use. But the Roman prisons were not like that back in the day. Back in the day, it was a dungeon. Usually it was below ground level. Uh, sewer water, um, trash, rats. It was a miserable place. Can you imagine? And back then, they didn't provide you for three square meals a day. Back in those days, someone had to bring you something if you're going to live, if you're going to survive. And these Philippian peoples, when Paul was incarcerated, we're not sure where, but they sent this guy called Epaphroditus. Isn't that a great name, Epaphroditus? Does that sound Jewish to you guys? No, it was a Greek name. He was from this Philippi church, and they took up a collection for him. They were the only church that did it, and they took care of him when he was in prison. So I think Paul's heart really went out to this church that he and Silas began. While he was there, if you look over in Acts 16, it's funny. Um, The way it started, he can't find a place to pray. There's no synagogue there. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But he basically cast out a spirit and gets in trouble in Philippi. But before we go to that, 
I want to talk to you about perspective. Can we have the next? Perspective. When I looked up perspective in the dictionary.com, I didn't have a Webster's, but dictionary.com, it says, a particular way toward or regarding something, a point of view. Now, there shouldn't be that first sentence there. But a particular attitude toward something. Have you ever had a teenager or been a teenager? Has someone ever tried to tell you something? Hey, watch out for this. Look out for that. But you already know everything? (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe my kids were the only ones like that. I tried to tell them something, to watch out for something. I had a different perspective. I knew that this was going to hurt them. Son, (laughs) is Jacob here? Okay, I'll talk about Jacob. He's not here. (laughs) I used to love motorcycles. I still did. And I had this really fast motorcycle. It'd do like 160 miles an hour. And I was down at the car wash. My buddy comes over one day. And, hey, man, I want to see your bike. All right, let's go home. I go to the garage. My middle son, Jacob, and youngest son, Aaron, were there. And I open up the garage door. My motorcycle's gone. Guess what? My 15-year-old son, Jacob, was out riding it, illegally. He comes up in the driveway, big grin on his face, hat backwards, shorts, flip-flops, no helmet. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Well, at that time, I didn't have much of a, I didn't have a lot of grace that day, let's just say that. And I told my friend, I said, yeah, I'm sorry, Emont, but uh, I've got to go take care of something. So we had a discussion about that. And he just did not understand my perspective. He couldn't understand what was wrong with him taking a ride on Dad's bike. He had his own dirt bike. But no, he wanted to ride this one that would very fast. And that scared me. But to him, it was no big deal. So our attitude can guide our perspective if we have the wrong attitude. Another time, as you know, some of you may know, I'm a sales guy, and I'm on the road about one week a month. And we had a new um, president at our company. And I was supposed to be down in Indianapolis like at 1130 to pick him up at his motel. We we're going to go travel together. I was running late that morning in a hurry And down around Rochester, there's a place I always go and get fuel. Needed fuel. So I go in there, and they had reconstructed. It had been closed for a while. And it just opened up as one of my favorite places because they had English toffee coffee. But anyways, (laughs) about perspective, about knowing everything, about having an attitude. I'd been to that place many, many times. Many, many times. I knew all about that place. Knew where the coffee was. I put the uh, nozzle in my truck. So I'm going to go in there. i got to use the facilities real quick and grab some coffee. So I go in, and I'm doing emails and kind of look up, and I go in this door, and I'm going to use it. And usually it looked kind of funny in there to me. (laughs) Guys, usually there's this porcelain white thing on the wall in the men's room, right? There weren't any of those in there. I'm like, well, I'm in a hurry. Uh... Whatever. So I go to one of the stalls, and I barely fit in the stall. I'm like, wow, this is really small. What is the deal? 
So I go out and I go to wash my hands and this lady comes out of the other stall. This is a true story. I was not trying to make a statement. And she says, how do you do? And I said, oh, I'm fine. And I wash my hands and I walk out and there's a line of a, like five or six women waiting to go in the restroom because this six foot four, 400 pound guy was in there using the ladies restroom. They moved the restroom on me. That's no fair. Because I knew, I knew, my perspective was, this is where the restroom was. But it sure looked funny when I walked in there. But sometimes our perspective can get us in trouble if our attitude isn't correct. The second thing on perspective, a particular way of viewing things that depends on one's experience and personality. Did you know that your experience and personality can affect your point of view, your perspective. An example, Teresa, letting you know my wife, Teresa. She's like this little bubbly thing, and oh, that's cute, and oh, you know, this and that, and da 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 and oh, I like your little motorcycle. Oh, it's not a little motor, you know. It's very offensive to me. But anyways, <laughs> we were looking for a house, and she wanted a house with a pool. And I've had a pool before, how many people here have a pool? Is it fun when the spring starts and you open your pool and you find out you have mustard uh, algae? Is that fun, Brian? No, it's not fun, is it? You have to shock it. You have to do all these things to it. You have to clean it all the time. It's really a pain. That was my experience. That was my perspective. I don't want a new house with a pool. Well, I do. They're cute. You know, they'll be fun. It'll be fun. And she's also kind of positive, and I'm a little negative sometimes. <laughs> don't know if you know that about us, but we are. But all I could see is the work. All I could see is the pain. But she saw the joy we'd have when the grandkids come over and get to play in the pool and do this. Needless to say, we haven't bought a house yet with a pool. So we'll see if I win that argument or not. But my experience told me I don't want a house with a pool. Also, it says there that our way of viewing things, experience, and personality. Like I said, she's bubbly. I'm kind of negative and down. There are some days a lot of people call me Big Jim, but a lot of days you could call me Eeyore. <laughs> Remember Eeyore? Well, that's me. That's the difference. So our perspective can be affected by our attitude Nobody here has a bad attitude, it's just me, so I'm only talking to myself. Our experience, our personalities. And then the third, perspective also means the ability to consider things in relation to one another, oh, accurately and fairly. I couldn't really think of a good example of that. I could think of an anti-example of that. We just went through this political season, right? How many times did you hear the left say, oh, my candidate's great, and this and that, blah, 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 and they're terrible. And all they could see is their perspective from the left. And on the right, you had the same thing. Our candidate's great, da-da-da-da, blah, blah, blah. Same old story. They had two different perspectives. Were they fair with one another? To be honest, they really weren't. Were they balanced? Uh, I don't think so. Were they accurate? Sometimes. 
But that affects us. And in a church, as we're a family, like I said earlier, our perspective on different things affects how we see each other. How you see your church board. How you see your deacons. How you see the visitor coming in the door out back. So I think in 2017, maybe it would be good for me and maybe some of you others to have a new perspective. Next slide. Can we talk about the church in Philippi? When we talk about the church in Philippi, first of all, they were established. They were first church in Europe. They're in Macedonia, which is Greek. They were Gentiles. This was a Roman colony. There were Roman soldiers there, Roman uh, governors. They had um, Greek people there. This was the first church established in Europe. So that's your first word there. They were Gentile people on the back of your sheet. I'm sorry, on the back of your sheet. They were Gentile people. Acts 16 tells the story, as I said, about Lydia and how she heard the good news and she and her whole household were saved. They were baptized and they asked Paul and Silas to come stay with them. Come stay with us. No, we don't want She insisted that they come stay with them. Also, the same thing happened with the Philippian jailer. So next slide. They were generous people. They opened their hearts. Let's go ahead to the next slide. They were gracious. When Paul is in the jail, he had cast out this demon out of this girl got in trouble for it because she made money. She could foresee things when he was in Philippi the first time. He was thrown into jail. And while he's in there, it talks about this. He and Silas are in the inner jail, the worst part of the jail. Their feet are in stocks, and it's about midnight, and they're singing hymns. They're singing hymns in jail with their feet in the stocks. Let me ask you something. If your feet are in the stocks and you're sitting on the cold ground, and I don't want to dwell on this, but what happens when you have to use the restroom? Think about these things. What happens when rats start crawling up on you? It was a miserable, miserable situation. But Paul and Silas are singing hymns, singing hymns. And about midnight, there's an earthquake. The doors all fling open. The chains all fall off, the stocks on their feet. And the Philippian jailer sees this, and he's ready to kill himself because he figures everyone escaped. And Paul yells out to him, hey, man, we're all here. Don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And Paul ends up converting the Philippian jailer and all of his household. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine uh, someone coming to Beulah? And we're one of the old timers. We've been here 10 years or 50 years or 85 years or whatever. 
What should our attitude be to that new person? What should our perspective be to that person? What would your perspective have been to the Philippian jailer? Do you think you would have liked the guy? Do you think that you would have cared about him and his family? Do you think that you would have cared if he killed himself? But Paul did. They're rejoicing. Lastly, they were a fractured people. Now by that, in the beginning of Philippians, it talks about these different preachers. Some preach out of uh, envy, some preach out of pride. And you got this in Corinthians 2 where these guys are all, hey, I'm a better preacher than Pastor Joel. And no, Joel's a better preacher than Earl. And Earl's a better preacher than Ashley. Paul says, this is nonsense. Paul in Corinthians says, did Paul die for you? Did Paul hang on a cross for you? No. Who did? Jesus. But you know, we all have our different perspective. And even in, within the church, we have different things that we like. I like motorcycles. I like food. Other of you may, your grandkids, maybe it's um, you're a mom and you chase your children and that's your thing, man. And that's okay. But there has to be one thing that we all are going after. There has to be one thing. And I believe with Paul's case and Silas' case, their perspective of where they were really didn't matter to them. They had a perspective of what they needed to focus on. Let's go to the next slide. Let's read this together. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves... Well, I'll just read it. You guys follow. (laughs) Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you, in my absence, I know that you will stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. Go back a minute. Look at this um, sentence in the middle. I know that you will stand firm in what? One spirit, striving together as what? One, right? Stand firm in the spirit. Oh, as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul's telling his church that he loves to stand together, to have a good perspective, to love one another, to go after this thing one by one, as one. All right, let's go to the next slide. Therefore, now Paul's being a little bit facetious here. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness, hold the slide. If. That's a conditional preposition. Right, Pastor Earl? Who's an English teacher? There's a condition there. It's a preposition. If. I think of John 1, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, what? Who knows that? He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
if. Paul saying here, if you have any encouragement. Have any of you ever had any encouragement in Christ? Have any of you ever had any comfort from Christ? Have any of you had any common sharing in the Spirit? I think we have. If we follow Jesus, if we say we're a follower of Jesus, and Paul knew this, yes, 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 of course we do. And he's talking to this church in Philippi, but I believe he's also talking to this church in Goshen called Beulah Missionary Church. And I think he's saying to us, if we have any encouragement from being united, if we have any comfort from his love, if there's any common sharing in the Spirit, then what? Next slide, please, Amy. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit, one mind, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. What does all that mean? Do we do that? I'd like you think about these things on yourself. There's words you hear in the church. I don't like this. I like that. My preference. Um, there's all these different preferences. There's all these different uh, things that we prefer, we like. But does that really make us one? Does it make us one? He says, look out for the other interests of the other people. If some new Christian comes in here, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they like the gray walls, but you really don't like gray walls, blah, 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 this and that, the color of the carpet, whatever it may be. Churches have split over so many silly little things. I'm not an apostle. I'm not even staff here. I'm just a guy who loves Beulah. I'm just a guy who feels that Beulah belongs to me, and more importantly, that I belong to Beulah. Can you have that perspective? This is my church. What do you mean by that? It's my church. Is it your church because it belongs to you, or is it your church because you belong to it? That's a little different perspective maybe for a lot of us. Have you thought about that? You belong to this church. You belong to each other. You are supposed to look out for the interests of others. We're supposed to be a big family. And when I think back to my boys, how sometimes they'd even get in fist fights. That was fine. They could call each other names. They could fight but someone else better not say anything about them. Right? And we're going to have our little spats in church. But are we looking for the interest of others? Are we? Let's look at the next slide. Happiness. That's on your little um, sermon notes here. I believe happiness is caused by circumstances. What are some things that make you happy? I woke up and my back didn't hurt. That makes me pretty happy. What makes people happy? Tell me. 
The grandkids are coming to visit. What makes you happy? Chocolate. Chocolate makes us happy. What else? Somebody else. What makes you happy? Vacation makes you happy. A raise. Would that make you happy? A new account. That makes you happy. You woke up. That makes you happy. That's good. Happiness, I think, is something that is caused by circumstances. We have a piece of chocolate. We have a new motorcycle. We get a raise at our job. We wake up feeling good. It's caused by that. When you look at the Greek word, there's zato, X-A-T-O. And what it means is good fortune, happiness. It happens to us. But joy is a choice. When Paul talks about joy, he's in prison. He's in miserable conditions. And he still says he has joy. Who are... How can that be, man? How can you have this joy? Joy has to be with a proper perspective. It's a choice. It's our proper perspective. Let's go to the next slide. Before we get to that, I want to ask you, how do we do these things? First of all, I want you to know we're all different and that's all right. It's all right if you really love your kids. I sure hope you do. Or your grandkids. It's all right if you like chocolate and you search the world to find the perfect piece of chocolate. It's all right if you like motorcycles as long as your 15-year-old son doesn't steal it. It's all right. Whatever. We're all different. And just to prove that, I want you to think about what you're going to do right after you leave here today. So think about that going to Applebee's, uh, I'm going to go see the kids, uh, I've got to go to work. Um, some of you worked all night, I'm going to bed, um, whatever. And on the count of three, I want you to tell me, everybody at the same time, what you're going to do when I shut up and you're able to leave, all right? You got it, everybody? All right, tell me what you're going to do when you walk out this door. One, two, three. I didn't catch that. From up here, it sounded like, we're all different. We have different things, right? And that's all right. But if we have the right perspective, if we have the right point of view, I'm going to ask you something else. We can be united. And how can that be? Well, let me ask you another question. And I'm going to let you think about this one for a minute. Then I want you to yell at out. Let me ask you something. Don't yell it out till I say, but think about who died on a cross for you. Who is the reason you're sitting here today? Who rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Father? Who should we be following at all times? All right, think about that for a minute. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to yell that out, the name of whoever that is. One, two, three. Jesus. Boy. That was clear. Can you see the point I'm trying to make? If we could be like Paul, if we can choose joy, if we can get our perspective where it should be, instead of our aches and pains, or Bob got this and I didn't, or I didn't get my way with the church, 
whatever it may be, if we can all focus on Jesus, what's going to happen? We're going to be one, aren't we? Now, here's the funny thing. Remember how I said back in Acts 16? This is a cool Pastor Joel kind of thing. I, I, I saw this last night about 9 o'clock. I was reading over, practicing. The second part of this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset at Christ as Christ. This next part is actually a hymn. It's a hymn that the church sang back in those days. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death at the cross. That was a hymn. He's writing this hymn. Do you think maybe when Paul and Silas were in the stocks in Philippi jail, it says they were singing hymns, at midnight, maybe this was the hymn he was singing. I don't know. But something brought that to mind when he said that. Let's go to the next slide. When I say this, Paul's telling us to be one. Paul's telling us to be like-minded. Paul's telling us to choose joy over happiness. Paul's telling us whatever circumstances, if we can focus on Jesus, things are going to be all right. You know what? This church has been some, through some stuff the last few years. But you know what? If we can all focus on Jesus, it's going to be all right, guys. I believe that. It's going to be all right if we can focus on Jesus. You guys believe that? That's right. I believe that. And so who should we focus on? Jesus, not ourselves, not our preferences. Not be little whiny children, but let's focus on Jesus. And not only that, Jesus give us, gives us a command. In John 13, 31, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to share my heart here for a minute. And you may agree, you may not agree. As I said, I belong to this church. This church belongs to me. I love this church. I love the people in this church. But understand what I'm trying to say here. A certain type of music, a certain look, a certain uh, billboard out front, really, those are important things, okay? We want to look good. We want to do this. We want to be professional. But you know what's going to attract people to this church? You know what's going to attract people to our body? Is when we can love one another. If somebody new comes into this church and he sees us having a good time and we love each other and we have some kind of potluck and we actually act like a family, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Would you want to be a part of that? But if they come to this church and this little group's over here and this little group's over here and they have their agenda over there and I have my agenda and I think it should go, that's not very attractive. We need to unite. 
Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think we can do that? I think we should try to do that. Next slide, please. How do we do this? First of all, in your sermon notes, we look up. Who are we looking up to? I asked you earlier, why are you here? What's his name? Jesus. We look up to Jesus. Next. We look around. What do I mean by that? I look at what Kevin's needs are. I look at what Betty's needs are. What Larry's, what Ashley's, what different people's needs are over my own. We look around. Last one. We look in. We look at us. And I think that's where it really needs to start. Today I want you to really think about what has my attitude been? What's my experience been? What's my personality? Do I have the right perspective? Am I looking to the needs of others more than myself? Do I have Jesus as my North Star? Look up, look around, look in. Next slide. I got this little diagram from a guy named Mike Hilson. Great preacher, really good preacher. And I just wanted to show you how this would, could work in our day-to-day. Here you got you in the middle, right? And around you, you got all these other people. Next slide. And you've got things that you like to do. Uh, Bob over there has different things he likes to do, as I said earlier, maybe the grandkids. Uh, so-and-so likes motorcycles, whatever may be work at the top. And that's all right. Next slide. But we need Jesus to be our North Star. And by that I mean when people are lost in the desert. Did you know if they don't have a direction, that people usually have one leg that's favored. And if they don't have a direction, if they don't have a North Star, they just walk in circles. Maybe their right leg is a little bit more. Maybe their left leg. But people walk in circles. So we need a North Star, or else we're just going to kind of go around and around the same old things. We need a North Star for Beulah Church. We need a North Star for all of us. And I really believe that North Star would be Jesus. But what about these other people? Let's go to the next slide. Now here's you, and your North Star is Jesus. Let's say Bob down there, his North Star is motorcycles. But you have a connection with Bob. You both like motorcycles and you're buddies. Joe over there, you work with Joe. You have a connection with Joe. But Joe doesn't know Jesus. Bob doesn't know Jesus. But you still have that relationship there. Up there, Tina. All Tina can do is show you grandkids' pictures every time you see her. And you've got grandkids. You have that, that connection with her. All of our life as a family is this. God created us in his image. He died on a cross so that we might have a relationship with him. So that Jesus might be our North Star. And he tells us to love others as ourselves. So, if Bob is over here and he's not concerned about Jesus, what's going to happen to Bob at the end of eternity? He's not going to be with Jesus. So don't you think we should love Bob? 
in our relationship with the motorcycles. Maybe we can build that relationship and tell them about Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. And let's say Bob answers the call to follow Jesus. Now you're following the North Star of Jesus. And every day you're walking to get closer to Jesus, to be more like Jesus, to be like his image. And what was his image? He gave up everything for everybody else. And Bob over here is a new Christian. And he's following Jesus now. Can you see what's happening? Look at these two angles. What happens as they go on? They get closer and closer together. Not only is their relationship with Jesus stronger, but as they both get closer to Jesus, their relationship with one another is closer. And that's what we need in the church today. We need to be a family. We need to love one another. We need to look at our attitudes. We need a new perspective. We need to walk towards Jesus because he is the one. And we need to make those connections with other people outside the church, within the church, and we all need to just follow Jesus. If everyone had Jesus as their North Star, if everyone looked out for the needs of others, do you think there'd be church splits? No. There'd be wars? No. But that's not the reality, is it? Everybody has their own thing that they're following until they come to Jesus and follow him. Last slide. Joy. Do you want joy, brothers and sisters? I think Paul had joy in some bad circumstances. And the secret to his joy was his perspective. And a little lady told me this joy thing here. Joy, to have joy, you have Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. My prayer for this church, my prayer for me and my family, is that we would follow Jesus, that we'd be closer, that we'd be a big family here that loves one another. I love you guys, and that's my heart today for a new beginning.